0: One Nation Senator from Queensland, Malcolm Roberts, introduced a motion, you're going to fall over about this, into the Senate yesterday to protect children from irreversible transgender surgery. It was in four parts, but the point four of the motion, after outlining the history, were on the latest available figures in America in 2016-17, the number of girls requesting gender reassignment rose 400%. The motion supported children with gender dysphoria... Given what Senator Roberts called a wait and see method because evidence shows between 70 to 90 percent of young people's dysphoria resolves itself by puberty. He argued that such children be offered a comprehensive therapeutic pathway since a large percentage of the children have pre existing mental health issues. His point was they require a therapeutic pathway, not a medical pathway. Senator Roberts asked that the Senate condemn the practice of children receiving experimental and unproven medical treatments of irreversible puberty blockers and sex hormone treatments, irreversible transgender surgery.
1: As you can see, more light is beginning to be shone on the shocking practice of treating children for gender dysphoria with experimental drugs, such as irreversible puberty blockers, cross sex hormones and providing surgery, which of course is also irreversible. It is known that at least five girls have had double mastectomies in Australia because they wanted to be boys. Well, welcome to the Lyle Shelton Show. I wish the news was better, but we simply have to delve into these issues. Finally, the mainstream media is starting to take this issue seriously. That was not the case when I was at the Australian Christian Lobby, when the indoctrination of children into gender fluid ideology at school began through the so-called Safe Schools program. The media just ignored this issue for as long as it could. Now, more on this in a moment. We've got another packed show this week, and there's been lots of movement on the children's gender issue. This, of course, goes to the heart of protecting children and ensuring that our freedoms are not suppressed by rainbow laws. Internationally, there's been some good news with the Hungarian parliament banning the teaching of gender fluid ideology and homosexuality to children. Now, that's progressive. Progressive. I'll also update you on the latest on George Christensen's bill to render medical care to babies born alive after botched abortions. And the Liberal Party in South Australia is expelling Christians for being Christians. I kid you not. All that and more on this week's Lyle Shelton Show. Now, regular viewers of this show or readers of my blog at lyleshelton.com.au will know that the Christian Democratic Party is working on a bill for the New South Wales Parliament which would ban such practices on children. The good Senator Malcolm Roberts um, from Queensland is taking this issue up with a motion in the Australian Senate. It's a state matter because health is run by state parliaments, but it's appropriate that federal parliamentarians have a view on this. Uh, because they fund so much of the health budget through Medicare. Now, remember, these motions in the Senate only have symbolic value, but they are important because it's raising the issue and causing awareness and causing politicians to take a stand. It was quite appropriate that the issue was raised by Senator Roberts in the Senate. Labor and the Greens predictably voted against his motion. However, six Liberal Senators voted against Senator Roberts' motion to protect children. Now, I want you to know who they are. They are uh, as follows. Senator Maurice Payne. Now, she is our Foreign Minister. Incidentally, uh, she's also the Minister for Women, and she should be protecting women and girls from men and boys seeking to appropriate women's gender. Secondly, we've got Senator Simon Birmingham. Uh, Now, he's the leader of the government in the Senate. He's the former federal education minister who did nothing to stop the national curriculum from being laced with anti-Australian and anti-Western and and, and gender-fluid nonsense. Remember, he's not from the Labor Party or the Greens, but he's from the arm of the Liberal Party, which is no different from the radical Green left. Thirdly, Senator Dean Smith, he was the senator who put forward the bill to redefine marriage without any protections for freedom of speech or freedom of religion. So, of course, he's going to continue to support the political agenda of the rainbow activists when it comes to indoctrinating children into gender fluidity and the subsequent harmful medicalisation of children. Remember, he's supposedly on the conservative side of politics. Fourthly, Senator Jane Hume. Fifth, Senator Richard Colbeck. And sixth, Senator Andrew Bragg. Here's how Senator Bragg, the Liberal Senator from New South Wales, justified his decision. These motions are rubbish.
2: Um, They are damaging and hurtful to people. And I think we want to protect and look after minorities. We don't want to bash up on minorities. That's not the the way. Mm. Uh, And if people have particular public health issues, they should uh, raise them at the state level where these things are... Uh, governed and, and run. I mean, it's not not a yeah. Senate's role to be wading into these issues. And, it, and they're very sensitive issues. And I think there's a lot of pressure on, on that particular community. And uh, it's important that that community knows that it's supportive.
0: Indeed. And you see this as a health issue, obviously. But do you accept that some of your colleagues see this as an ideological one?
2: I respect all my colleagues' different views on this. But I think the principle of choice here is very important, and it's not, for the, it's not for the national parliament to, to wade into this, this matter. So I understand that people want to bring ideology into it, but the reality is, um, if people uh, in the privacy of their own home or in a clinic with their doctor uh, want to go through this sort of process, that's up to them. I mean, I'm, I'm a live and let live person. And I think, that's a, I think most Australians are that way.
1: Well, you're wrong, Senator Bragg, they're not rubbish. And with respect, Laura Jays, you are wrong as well. Are you suggesting that by supporting the idea that children's gender is fluid and that in and of itself, and that in and of itself is not an ideological position? Of course it's ideological. Uh, You can't just say those seeking to prevent children from being harmed by irreversible experimental treatments are ideological. Malcolm Roberts quite correctly points, uh, sorry, puts his finger on what is really going on, take a look at this. These people are not interested in children, or then they haven't got the courage to stand up for kids, because the real issue is, well, you'll notice the greens when they tried to counter my motion. they accuse me of being transphobic. They accused anybody who supports this of being transphobic. and parents get an enormous shame put on them by being called transphobic if they don't stand up for their kids. The radical rainbow left never debate the substance of an issue. They reach straight for a name. You're a phobe of some sort, someone filled with irrational fear. It's time they stopped using that tactic. It's not debate, it's demonization, and it has no place in the public discourse. Without good debate, we can't get good policy. Bad policy leads to harm, and in this case, we're harming a generation of children with the lie that their gender is fluid and that chemicals and surgery with lifelong consequences can help them. It can't. Well, the mainstream media demonise the Hungarian President Viktor Orban. They say he is far-right, an authoritarian, too close to Vladimir Putin, and a racist for refusing to open his borders. Now, I don't follow Hungarian politics close enough to know if all of this is true, or whether this is simply the fake news media doing its thing against conservatives. I'm sure Orban has his faults. Certainly, former Prime Minister Tony Abbott didn't think Orban had the cheese touch, in so much as he was happy to speak in Budapest in 2019, praising Hungary's family-friendly policies. With Europe's birth rate plummeting, Hungary has implemented several family-friendly initiatives, including, as Abbott pointed out, waiving household debt for larger families and for not taxing at all mothers of four children. Uh, Among other uh, family-friendly measures, Hungary is fighting the real extinction rebellion, and along with Poland, stood firm against the European Union's demands for same-sex marriage. Its latest move is to ban the teaching of homosexuality and LGBT gender-fluid ideology to children. Hallelujah! Finally, some politicians with some courage! Meeting in their majestic parliament house on the banks of the Danube River, Hungary's National Assembly voted 157 to 1 to protect children from rainbow indoctrination at school. It was opposed by one independent. Surely they all can't be homophobes and bigots. A measure of just how inappropriate rainbow culture is for children, all ages actually, was a rainbow flag-waving drag queen providing an upskirting moment for the Associated Press Photographer. All this at a time when countries like Australia are grappling with the objectification of women and girls and rape culture. But this is how rainbow activists make their case to legislators wrestling with children's policy. These people are not only tone deaf to the aspirations of mainstream mums and dads, they are a threat to the flourishing of their children. No wonder the vote was 157 to 1. Here in Australia, under uh, conservative New South Wales and federal governments, rainbow activists have free run of the classroom and of the teachers' staff rooms. The Morrison government's new $7 million The Good Society program is worse than the so-called Safe Schools program. The Australian Christian Lobby's Martin Isles lifts the lid. It will set your hair on fire. And the New South Wales Education Minister Sarah Mitchell remains hopelessly out of her depth as she boasts about safe schools having apparently been abolished, but can't explain why gender fluid ideology keeps popping up in her schools. The New South Wales government and the Morrison government say they are against safe schools, yet they seem powerless in the face of activists indoctrinating our children. We should follow Hungary's example and protect children from radical rainbow gender fluid and sexual concepts in the classroom. Legislation might be the only way. Christian people, uh, of course, uh, are very much the fabric of the Liberal Party. Robert Menzies himself was a Christian, spoke a lot about his faith, uh, without the need to bring that into policy decisions, the church and so forth, but certainly the Judeo-Christian framework of the Liberal Party is sound, it is relevant, and it is needed. Well, that was the Liberal Senator for South Australia, Alex Antic, defending the right of Christians to be members of the Liberal Party. I kid you not. Fresh from shepherding through abortion to birth and euthanasia legislation, the South Australian Liberal Party is now expelling Christians. 150 Christians have been turfed, and another 400 have been issued show cause notices as to why they should not be kicked out. Sir Robert Menzies, whom Senator Antic just reminded the Sky News audience, was a Christian and a staunch defender of Christianity. He would be rolling in his grave. The fault line in the Liberal Party, not just in South Australia, but nationwide, is between its conservative base and so-called moderate factional players. Now, moderate is a terrible descriptor of people who vote for babies to be ripped apart in their mother's wombs, for suicide to become healthcare, and for children to be taught that their gender is fluid. But these are the people now controlling most state divisions of the Liberal Party. John Howard's broad church has become intolerably narrow. It's a battle for the soul of the party, which once stood for the values of Sir Robert. Any reading of the collections of speeches published in recent years by the Liberal Party's think tank, the Menzies Research Centre, would confirm how un today's factional warlords are. The good news is there are a few brave Liberal parliamentarians pushing back. Three of them, Senator Alex Antic, who we heard from, Nicole Flint and Tony Passan, went to war on behalf of Christians at a Liberal Party party room meeting in Canberra this week. The message to Christians coming out of the Liberal Party in South Australia is clear. You are not welcome, Passan told the MPs. Imagine if Liberals were kicking Muslims out. Now I've had my own travails with the Liberal Party or the Liberal National Party, as it's called in Queensland. After running for the Senate in 2019 with uh, Cory Bernardi's now defunct Australian Conservatives, I sought readmission to the LNP. Despite urgings from senior LNP people to rejoin the party, my application was rejected on multiple times over more than 18 months. This was despite written references and representations from past and present high profile parliamentarians on my behalf. Sadly, the power brokers kept the gate firmly shut. It is why when Reverend Fred Nile reached out to me in March that, I made them, that it made sense to me to move to Sydney to succeed him in the Christian Democratic Party. The woke left's dominance of our politics, culture, media and academia means that it is necessary for Christians and conservatives to join the battle for ideas. There is no better place than as a member of a right-of-centre political party. The Liberals' drift to the left needs to be arrested as a matter of urgency.
0: And so actually, Lyle, um, one thing that your book has actually spawned me to do is... uh, Uh, to work on a private member's bill uh, to ensure that there is medical assistance for infants born alive. Even if that is a fruitless exercise, that is something I'm going to put before the Parliament. A bill to require medical practitioners
1: to provide a child born alive during a late-term abortion with medical care has now been finalised and is set to be introduced into the Parliament on Monday. A notice of intention to introduce the bill has been lodged by my good friend, the federal member for Dawson, George Christensen, and it will be seconded by the new member, sorry, by the member for New England, Barnaby Joyce. George kindly credited the inspiration for the bill to reading my book, I kid you not, Notes from 20 Years in the Trenches of the Culture Wars. In it, I tell the story of uh, courageous state Liberal MPs, Dr. Mark Robinson and Nick Goyran, who blew the whistle on babies born alive and left to die after botched abortions. Launching my book in Brisbane last July, George, as you just heard, promised to introduce a bill to remedy this. He has kept his promise. George said some, uh, said some final additions had been made uh, to his private member's bill, which is titled the Human Rights Children Born Alive Act 2021. In pursuit of the law, George is asking his parliamentary colleagues and in fact our entire community to consider the painful question, what happens to a child born alive during a late-term abortion? The uncomfortable truth is the child is left to die. This bill remedies the fact uh, in Australia uh, that we breach international agreements that we are a signatory of. The International Convention on the Rights of the Child and the International Covenant on Civil and Political Rights. Both of these recognise the right to life and the right to access to life-saving healthcare services. The bill makes it an offence not to provide life-saving treatment and it's punishable with penalties higher than $400,000 for health practitioners and higher for corporations. It could also see health practitioners who breach the law deregistered in Australia. Thanks, George, and thanks, Barnaby. We'll be praying for your colleagues to show some compassion in Canberra next week. As Prime Minister Scott Morrison jets back from Cornwall and uh, into home quarantine, it's worth pondering his wise words about the importance of the G7 Plus event which he attended. Before he flew out for England over a week ago, Morrison gave an important speech in Perth where he reflected on the meetings he was about to have with the world's most powerful leaders. This G7 meeting was held in the shadow of communist China and the pain the Communist Party has inflicted upon the world through its unleashing of COVID-19 and its economic and military bullying of other countries. Morrison used the more diplomatic word coercion but we know what he means. In this context, he made the following important point about our desire for a world that values freedom, a rules-based order and respect for human rights over authoritarianism and autocracy. He said this, "'We can't be casual about these values and beliefs. "'They are inextricably linked to our way of life "'in this country. "'We can't be passive about them. "'We can't expect others to advocate for us for them. We live them, we must speak up for them. Authoritarianism and autocracy flourish when there is no pushback. Sadly, the world has been late in waking up to the true agenda of the Chinese Communist Party. The positive of this G7 plus event is that this is no longer the case and the free West is pushing back. That's really good news. But the principles Morrison enunciated don't just apply to external threats. Australia is equally being hollowed out from within by cultural Marxism and its identity politics. My concern with Morrison has been his reluctance to engage the culture wars. He quite deliberately sat on the side of the same-sex marriage campaign. After stating his position, he left the campaigning to others, which meant our side lacked political firepower, as Malcolm Turnbull and Christopher Pine and others from the Liberal Party campaigned for same-sex marriage. They sustained a debate while Morrison and other supporters of the true definition of marriage sat on the sidelines. If only he had not been casual about these beliefs and values and had spoken up, because today our children are being overwhelmed by a flood of rainbow gender fluid and radical sexual indoctrination at school. And sadly, as Martin Isles from the Australian Christian Lobby has revealed, the Morrison government is funding the latest iteration of this to the tune of $7 million. Here's what it teaches your children. The curriculum is quite simple. It is dedicated to deconstructing gender. To quote one resource, it says there are individual
0: personalities, not genders. So children are taught that there is nothing that is intrinsically male or intrinsically female.
1: Now, I don't believe for a moment that our Christian Prime Minister is aware of the good society program for children, as it is called, but he should be. However, a failure to speak up consistently has led to rainbow activists continuing to run amok in the bureaucracy. Yes, we must stand up to external threats like the CCP, but equally equally we must fight the enemy within. Sometimes that takes more will and courage, especially when the rainbow activists have infiltrated your own political party and public service. Our children are being indoctrinated and free speech is being crushed by the weaponisation of flawed anti-discrimination laws. We are losing our nation. Think about children being led down a path of irreversible harm from experimental gender-bending treatments such as puberty blockers and cross-sex hormones. Think about freedom of speech and religion being suppressed in once-free Australia. Then think about Morrison's words. We can't be casual about these values and beliefs. They are inextricably linked to our way of life in this country. We can't be passive about them. We can't expect others to advocate for us, for them. We must live them, we must speak up for them. The failure of conservative governments here in New South Wales and in Canberra to speak up means we are left with no choice. We have to get involved in politics because politics is getting involved with our children. To again borrow from the PM, we can't expect others to do this for us. We can't be passive. Well, before I go, a shout out to my good friend Dave Pello at uh, The Good Source News. Thanks to Dave and his team of volunteers for production of The Lyle Shelton Show. I couldn't bring this to you without their generous support. Please get behind The Good Source. Dave has a top lineup of contributors for all your conservative news and views. Don't forget, if you haven't read my book, uh, I kid you not, Uh, Notes from 20 Years in the Trenches of the Culture Wars. It's available at lyleshelton.com.au. It's an insider's look at how the radical left have gotten away with terrible public policy. Uh, It's an insight into how leaders have been silent and also gives some hope of how we can get ourselves out of this mess. And that starts by getting involved. This is not a time to sit on the sidelines. Please sign up at lileshelton.com.au to keep in touch with me and the Christian Democratic Party and to become part of a growing movement of people that are committed to putting Christians into parliaments. Well, that's it for this week. Thanks so much for your company. Until next week, God bless. The Lars Shelton show is a production of The Good Source hosted by Lars Shelton. To watch, listen to or read more content without the SJW PC fact filter, visit goodsource.news, good s a u c e.news. Become a Good Source supporter for exclusive access to live and unedited interview recordings including the conversations before and after the show.